Estate planning made easy. This is The Strong Room on 770 CHQR, a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Now that you're through getting your income tax filing done for 2017, it's time to think about 2018. It's time to act on getting your financial house in order. That should start with learning about creating a life plan. Macmillan Estate Planning offers three opportunities to do just that. Tuesday, May 29th in Edmonton, Wednesday, May 30th in Red Deer, and Thursday, May 31st in Calgary. You can register online for any of those seminars at macmillanestate.com. It's a chance to get your house in order before summer. A chance for some peace of mind because you have a plan for your life going forward. Don't put it off. Check out macmillanestate.com or call the office weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464. The Strong Room continues now with Sherry McMillan speaking about health issues. As we age, health becomes an increasingly important part of life planning. About 25% of us have some measure of health concern over the course of our lifespan. And my observation with our families is it's anything from mental illness to actual physical health problems. Um, Addiction is so prevalent in our society as well at large. And so all of us as families have real issues to contend with. And they are not tactically... Uh, the legal side of a plan, and they're not tactically the tax side of a plan. These are practical things that we face as families in our estate design. And if we don't account for them properly as soft issues, um, we can really be quite damaging to the family unit because these are really heartfelt and important pieces of our puzzle. And so I think the dialogue is so valuable with families in this regard. So, you know, when we're building, for example an estate design for somebody that has children that have bipolar and it's very relevant in our society today. Well, the concern of the parent group is always, okay, well, I I could give them this wealth, but the problem is if they're on a high, they'll do really, really well with it. But if they happen to be at that moment in time on a low, they may go through all of that money and have nothing left to be cared for with later in life. And so these are real thoughts. These are real fears that we have. And these are the real what ifs in family. So what we've got to do is we've got to build in mechanisms that account for the what ifs. And so frequently we will have a trust design for a child with mental health issues. And then people around them as the trustee that know them well, that can read uh, their mental health status at the time and make sure that when wealth is taken from the trust for their care, it's being utilized appropriately for the purpose that it was designed for, which is to enhance their life and to help them create their own autonomy and independence. And what's really interesting about this area is you don't have to be a family that has illness in it like this to have that desire. In fact, every affluent family I've ever worked with is very concerned about creating a child that can be self-reliant. So they don't want to ruin their child by making their life too easy in the early days. And I think this is very valuable. Years ago, we used to see as estate planners, uh, parent groups donating their estate to their families, let's say when the kids were, say, 20 or 21. That was really common. 
but children are evolving later today. They're going to university longer. They're marrying later. So we're seeing more frequently that parents are choosing to release funds to the children more like 30, 35. It's a moving target today. The one thing I will say, due to the blessing of working in England, is that one of the real sad things that has happened is obviously in our society is how families have created affluence, given it to children too soon, and they've spent it all and are less, you know, in a position to do well in life because they never found their own purpose. So we actually recommend to all our families, if you want your children to be autonomous and self-reliant, let's parent your child in your estate design in the exact same way you would if you're alive. So if you wouldn't write a check to your child for a million dollars for a Lamborghini when they're 21, then why are we doing that in your estate? Instead, what we often do when children are between, let's say, 18 and 30 is we're encouraging them to become self-reliant. We encourage them that, you know, you will do well if you go to university and we'll give you a little down payment for a house if you do that. And what you earn, you can take out of the trust. So we're incentivizing them to find their own purpose and passion. And by working in England all these years, what we've actually seen is more of what not to do. Um, Because by encouraging a child to come into substantial wealth too early before they're able to steward it, they lose the privilege of finding their own path. And in England, we actually have terminology for it. We call them trust babes because they never grow up. And that's not our intention, obviously. So we encourage families when you have these younger people coming into their own that you build an incentive trust to create that ability for them. All right, I want to spend the last portion of this program on a topic that is relatively new to all of us, and that is right to die. How do you plan for that in an estate or life plan? Well, it is a brand new topic, and it's been in discussion, of course, for quite some time now. I would say a strong decade, Peter, and not just in Canada, internationally speaking. In fact, I think it was Norway was the first... um, Western country to legalize end-of-life planning. So there's a lot to think about in this area because, of course, it comes down to your values and belief sets, sometimes not just from a religious point of view, but what just feels absolutely right to you. And because we're having these moving targets in legislation and they're new legislations, we don't have a lot of precedence in law yet. We don't really know how they will be unfolding, and nor do any estate planners and nor do any doctors truly at this juncture. But I think because it's an evolving area specifically and we are the most aging population we've ever been and we're living the longest than we ever have, I think that we do ourselves a disservice if we don't pay attention to this topic year after year after year in your annual review work. We should be looking at the precedents that have just passed through the courts, what is available to you now, and what you want to adjust your personal directive is what it's called in Alberta to adjust for. So common language that we are seeing in our office right now is that we will say things like, in the event you have no known hope of ever regaining any higher power mental consciousness, then you do allow for withdrawal of treatment. So, you know, we have to customize this to your value set. And one of the things I share with husbands and wives is this is tricky because if you're married to somebody you truly love, you don't want them to put anything like that in there. But if you don't give them that power, then they may not be able to meet your needs and meet the dignity of the end of life planning for you. 
Is this a, um, a topic of increasing import in the planning that you're doing? Do you have some, even an example or two that you can share of a family that has, you know, been upfront and talked about the possibility? I would suggest, Peter, it's in the area of cancer more often than not because it's such a painful type of cancer sometimes that we can have in our bones and so forth. And so these are the people that are crying out for these kinds of situations. And they're the group often that pain medication um, does not subside the pain with. And so, you know, we we are usually looking at this in the moment as one-off cases because these people are facing real situations. They're not phantom situations. They are real, and they're choosing to employ these areas. And they're showing a lot of courage and being prepared to talk about it and plan for it. And it does take a lot of courage because this is the cusp of the new thinking around the choice. And so even between husbands and wives, we do have sometimes very heated conversations in the office. And at the end of the day, the fantastic part is is it is our own right. It is our own choice. And so you have that opportunity to make that decision in your own best interest. Now that you're through getting your income tax filing done for 2017, it's time to think about 2018. It's time to act on getting your financial house in order. That should start with learning about creating a life plan. Macmillan Estate Planning offers three opportunities to do just that. Tuesday, May 29th in Edmonton, Wednesday, May 30th in Red Deer, and Thursday, May 31st in Calgary. You can register online for any of those seminars at macmillanestate.com. It's a chance to get your house in order before summer. A chance for some peace of mind because you have a plan for your life going forward. Don't put it off. Check out macmillanestate.com or call the office weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464. Macmillan Estate Planning Chief Executive Sherry McMillan. That last point is why creating a life plan is so important. You have the chance to be in charge of you, to lay out the rules about how you want to be treated and how to remain in charge of you even if you lose mental or physical capacity. Don't waste the opportunity. Call McMillan weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464 or check out the website at macmillanestate.com. That's our program for this week. Thanks for joining us on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.